A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst all the other lads and lasses of Cultaholic are embracing the festive season of 2018, maybe on their way after Christmas shopping to go and see Aquaman, we have piled in to our Ica Pro-powered DeLorean. We are back in 1993, presumably buying Barbie dolls, talk boys, and going to see Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas. What a brilliant film and who be we i be fake geordie and radio presenter tom campbell and i be with the bear in the big blue bar cage the man who needs a pen the head pen if you will of cultaholic doesn't need a pencil because he gets it right every time and he's written a lovely article this week i do believe justin henry is there hello justin Hello there, Tommy. How are you this day? i am smashing i was reading some of your fine work this week and we don't. We, we always mention you're the bear in the big blue bar cage, but I don't believe we ever truly plug the great writing that you do. Well, it's, I guess no better time than the present to start plugging the stuff I do for Call to Hawk. I, I do keep busy with the site, and uh, I write many, many words across many, many, many hours of the day, and it's all for a good cause, though. And if you enjoyed TLC, or even if you didn't enjoy TLC... Uh, from the WWE from the other day. You can't have not enjoyed that main event. That was the absolute mutts nuts. It truly was. Um, was. Justin Henry's written a wonderful article. Uh, Justin's written a wonderful article all about 10 things that we learned after TLC 2018. Yes, I I do try to impart the educational portion of the pay-per-view onto the Call to Holic readership. Some entries are a little bit facetious. Some are serious. So... I employed a bit of a blend. Like, I didn't know, and it was Renee Young who taught me this, that it's possible to cease being brothers with somebody. <laughs> it, it, it certainly is. There's there's <laughs> things in place that you can make happen. <laughs> yeah, because uh, she referred to Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins as former brothers. And I'm thinking, is this something that maybe Oasis attempted at some point? Uh, Noel and <laughs> Liam Gallagher? If they, ha- if they could, they would, believe me. <laughs> Was there a – why did they do a bit where Owen Hart, after he turned on Brett, tried to, like, drain the DNA out of him or something? There's some sort of convoluted – had Papa Shango put a spell on him to alter his DNA somehow. Now, like, Isaac Yankum you... can withdraw the DNA via your teeth. Mm. So he sticks a <laughs> syringe in your gums and pulls out the DNA through your t- – John! John! <laughs> Away you go, mate. John Eiley, <laughs> our head photoshopper, Justin, I don't know whether you saw this, was complaining that we didn't give him enough work to do in the last podcast. Oh, no. Yeah. So this week, John, there's your, there's your start for 10. Two minutes in. 
I want I want R having his DNA sucked out with a syringe via his gums by Isaac Yank of DDS. Is this why Glenn Jacobs got the endorsement of Ancestry.com from when he ran for mayor? <laughs> that is exactly why. They remembered this happening. Oh, brilliant. But hey, look, we, we can't talk about 2018. We can't talk about it because that's not our job to. We have to talk about 1993, Justin, in this particular case. And there what is. with... I know. What with Christmas being almost upon us by the time this is in your ears, we are less than a week away from the big day. Uh, Justin, mm-hmm. I'd like you to cast your mind back, if you can, to your Christmas in 1993. Mm. Can you remember any of the gifts that Santa did bequeath you? Actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was talking to my brother yesterday during the football games. We were talking about old Christmases of our youth. And I'm very 1993-minded at this point because of the podcast. And I was thinking that was the last year that I ever got any Hasbro action figures. I was 10 years old, and I remember the four that I got. And it was funny because three of them were no longer with WWE at that point, but they were still new figures, which was just how in flux the company was at the time. Um, I got Shawn Michaels in his full heartbreak kid attire, but I also got El Matador, Repo Man, and the Berserker. Wow. What a rogues gallery of Hasbro figures that is. I, I was happy to have him because I, I like a variety in my collection. This somebody different. Flippin' heck yeah. That, those are decent figures. That's yeah, a absolutely. nice selection. Sure was. and I, I, I miss the old Hasbro figures. They were so simple. I mean, they kind of broke easily. Like, like that Rick Rude figure was so fragile when you just pulled on the headlocking armor under like just enough it would just snap right off. You haven't so was... seen Kurt, Kurt Hawkins' Twitter this week, have you? I have not. Mate, they're back. Well, that, well, that, I know the Hasbros are back. They've yeah. Back. And they've made, Kurt, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder have made a WWE action figures commercial, which looks like the one that Savage used to do. Oh, my goodness. It's incredible. It's incredible. Gonna... It even ends with the line, it's... It's like being in the ring. Am I going to mark out when I see this? Yes, you are, mate. Yes, you absolutely are. In fact, if you want to look it up now, by all means, do so. I can pad while you do. Okay, it's 48 seconds. So you want to leave, I'll leave me off here uh, for the uh, actual episode of Raw while I indulge myself in this yeah, wonderful you thing. Indulge in that. You indulge in that. Whilst Justin Henry is marking out of that, if this is your first time here, this is the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. Myself and Justin Henry, we go back in time, and we are watching every episode of Monday Night Raw from its very inception. Uh, by some point when we are old and grey men, we'll have caught up uh, or died in the process. One of the two. So if this is your first time here, welcome in. Uh, if you fancy it, there's another 20-odd episodes behind that you feel free to listen and catch up on. Uh, some of the some of the memes and tropes we come out with may make more sense in that case. Um, if you're also new here as well, it's customary. Just to tweet at JRH writing and just let them know how your day is. Like what you've been up to, like what you're having for tea. Just, just generally okay, chat to okay, him. Okay. He really um, enjoys that. <laughs> I, I, first off, Tommy, um, one, screw off, and two, <laughs> eh, I can still hear you. I'm paying attention to Hawkins and Ryder, you know. It's a good advert, though, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it, it was. I'm gonna have to update the old Christmas list 
at the conclusion of the show so that I can get get back in on this action. I don't care if I am 35 now. No, mate, my age is a number. Age is merely a number. See, I was. This is true. When I was in in, in 1993, th- at this point, I wasn't watching wrestling. There was this, very much like the work Christmas party that I attended on Friday night. There is a long gap where I don't know what was going on, um, mm-hmm. and still don't. And was, so I didn't really watch wrestling at this point, so I wasn't getting anything wrestling-based for Christmas. It was in 1993 that I got either a Sega Mega Drive or a Talk Boy. I can't remember which. Do you remember the Talk Boys from Home Alone? I did. I actually had the Talk Boys. Oh, mate, weren't they amazing? Little recording devices, pop a cassette in. And you can record your voice and pretend to be your mum and dad by slowing your voice down, according to the advert. I, I use a digital audio recorder now for when I do interviews with people. And if, if I had any integrity whatsoever, I, w- I would find an old talk boy and just use that to interview, like, Tommy Dreamer or whoever else happened to run into. Do you know what? Whole... I've had this idea, mate. I've had this idea. Right, we've, mm-hmm. we've, we mentioned last week, or maybe it was the week before, um... Adam Pacitti, if you want to fly me and Justin to WrestleMania this year to report on it, we're down with for that. I can get time off, so can Justin. It'll be fine. If we whoa, end whoa, up whoa, doing whoa. that... Fly, <laughs> we... fly me. It's, it's a two-hour drive for me. Okay, okay. We'll just fly me then. In fact, the money you spend on Justin's flights, <laughs> bump me up to upper class. Um, now, just... Just courier him in a big crate with like three air holes. I mean that'll be, be fine. Fun. Just just yeah. just just slot some very thin ham under the lower part of the crate. <laughs> uh, but what we should do if we ever end up doing that, um, we interview superstars with talk boys. I'm down with this. Yeah, you're down with it. We can get him on Amazon or something. We interview with talk boys. That is the rule. <laughs> We need like several, there's like half a dozen cassette tapes. Oh yeah, well the tapes like ninety minutes long, so I don't think we'll be, you know, getting we'll, we we'll be chatting to Zach Ryder for know, ninety minutes. Well, well, we could. I mean, we, you know, go the whole. Uh, the hell's that guy? I can't, I can't remember his name now. Oh, Dick Cavett. Dick Cavett's what I'm thinking of. The one he's doing like the old interview, interview talk show, like 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 that length of interview, something like that. So, Zach, when you were Brett Major, it was about half hour about that. I mean, there is something beautifully adorable about interviewing somebody and going, um, excuse me one second, Sasha Bags, can you just stop answering that question for a minute? I need to turn the tape the other way. <laughs> I'm in the middle of a, of a very intense story involving your family, but this is this is important. Turn I need, tape I need over. to stop, turn the tape over, press record and play again. Interviews with Talk Boys at WrestleMania. Let's make that a thing. Right. Let's so crack on for the of... meanwhile. Yes, go back to the era in which Talk Boys were somewhat fashionable. Oh, yes, 1993. Where and when are we this time round, Justin Henry? It is June 21st, 1993. We're at the Mid Hudson Civic Center in Poughkeepsie, New York, a much larger venue than the Manhattan Center. And, we'll, and we have a show this week that is actually really, really, really good. It is incredible show this week. It's possibly one of my favourites so far. It does feel like the Poughkeepsie, the Poughkeepsie Centre feels a bit like an aircraft hangar. It is kind of a low ceiling, isn't it? Yeah, I do. I like it though. I mean, it's, it's. I like how they jump between the Manhattan Centre and here. 
constantly. And it's funny because Manhattan Center and this building were both future hosts of ECW pay-per-views. I did not. I didn't know this one was. I know the Manhattan Center was, but this one I did not know. That's quite exciting. Hardcore Heaven, nineteen ninety-nine. And this arena has the neon entranceway, which is which very nineties. Which is the greatest entranceway of all time. It is, isn't it? It so is. It is fantastic. Just just neon bars, the WWF logo. It's so simple yet so effective. It's like it it has a sort of like sleazy nightclub feel from nineteen ninety one to it. But that's part of the charm, I think. I'm still waiting for that arena, that entranceway to be in a WWE game. Because all the arenas, and even the small arenas, still feel too big. And I want like a little sleazy aircraft hangar in Poughkeepsie with the neon <laughs> bars for my lads to walk out in in uh, 2K19. I want the overgrown basement that the Thunder Team Challenge series at. <gasps> yeah! That'd be ace. <laughs> and the Mall of America. Those would be great. <laughs> I just want to have Eric Rowan make his entrance with, with the um, sidebars of the crowd that just turned the opposite way walking through the green screens like the, <laughs> all this wonderful technology from 1989 <laughs> yes mind you there was a game that came close to giving us the team challenge series entrances which was the first smackdown games when the wrestlers would walk on the on smackdown oh, yes. on the playstation one it would just have their their music video and they were like green screened in front of it <laughs> Well, that was kind of cool, actually. It had a certain step to it. Um, let's say about Team Challenge Series, the better. Anyway. Yeah, that's another story for another time. We start tonight's episode of Monday Night Raw with Vince, Bobby, and Macho Man at ringside. Vince knows that it's the first day of summer, and thus it is the longest day of the year. And the longest day of the year is any four-hour WWE pay-per-view, but... <laughs> that's all the TLC was... All the TLC was pretty good for the most part. We have two big matches on this week's show. Not only do we have the Marty Jannetty going to clown two out of three falls match, but we also get the Razor Ramon one two three kid ten thousand dollar challenge, where kid gets ten grand just for stepping into the ring with Razor. And when and when the uh, match gets plugged, Bobby Heenan goes and looks under the ring, and he laughs at what he sees but does not reveal what he saw. That was standard Bobby. I enjoyed that immensely. Him just like slyly looking under the ring, laughing to himself and not telling Vince or Savage what he saw. But we all know where he was going with it. It was very cool. Right, he saw on Swaggle. <laughs> he went. He just checked out Little People's Court that was open for the day. <laughs> so after the intro, we have out come the Steiners with what's, what? If... Justin, they've got the WWF Tag Team Championships on their shoulders. What's this? Yes, they certainly do, because seven nights earlier at the TV tapings in Columbus, Ohio, actually noticed on last week's show, but they defeated the Steiner Brothers. I mean, I'm sorry, the Steiner Brothers defeated Money Incorporated to win the tag team titles in a match that never aired anywhere. And then two nights later, in uh, Rockford, Illinois, Money Inc. regained the belts when IRS's briefcase was used as a weapon. And then three nights after that, Saturday night in St. Louis, Steinbrose got the belts back yet again when, when Scott pinned DiBiase with the Frankensteiner. 
So three title changes in the span of five nights. So is this the the most hot potato a belt has been to this point? Um, to this point, it would probably have to be. I'd have to read the USWA title history to fully know that. But um, I know Booker T and Chris Benoit would top it a few years later with the TV title across like four straight nights that changed four times. Now this is all in 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 an attempt to boost house show business i understand because houses were down so it's like hey anything can happen come and watch well oh, for sure because i mean the belts changed three times and all vince would have had to say was stomper has won the matches when the belts at a live event instead of all three of them because you're trying to show that hey three title changes in the span of one week three different shows so you're trying to say like wow that's pretty good that we'll see a title change and then, and then the poor bastards went to the show in um, Atlantic City on the, on the 30th of June. Got nothing. <laughs> no title changes for you. Wow, this is an amazing show. You got Virgil versus Iron Mike Sharp. You got Jim Powers versus the Tasmaniac. Yes, Taz. Wow, Adam really? Adam Bomb versus El Matador. Savage versus Doink. Sharon Luna and Steiners and Money Inc. I would I would watch I would watch the hell out of that show if I if I had the financial resources when I was nine years old and I had a ride. So did this house show this house show happened after this episode of Raw that we're reviewing now? The one that I just read. Yeah. Yes. Right, because there is something that happens in a match tonight that makes at least one of those matches make sense. I can't wait until Taz doesn't run in on Jim Powers. It's going to be great. <laughs> Spoiler alert! Taz and Jim Powers become a tag team, then disband immediately. I'm getting real sick and tired of hearing the, your stupid cranking up song of Powers. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Taz is suddenly here. <laughs> uh, Jim Powers is a real rocket buster here, Cole. <laughs> hey, um, we're so... doing numbers! <laughs> so, Steinbergs are facing... Our poor bastards du jour, Rena Riggins and Barry Hardy. No relation to Matt or Jeff. <laughs> the lesser-known Hardy boy, Barry Hardy. And Barry Hardy, if you've never seen him, he looks like Guy Fieri with a, mo- with a mullet. He does, doesn't he? He's got a very Guy Fieri driver's drive-ins and drives face about him. Now I want to see Scott Steiner today face Guy Fieri. Actually, I want to see Guy Fieri visit Shoney's in Georgia, in Ackworth, Georgia. And criticize Scott's food. I don't think he'd last very long if he did. <laughs> and so was the last episode of Diners, Drives, and Dive, Diners, Dive-ins, and whatever the hell that they do. Called. They do that Trouble bit day. where he's driving, talking to the camera, going, "That's all we got time for." But I'll see you down the road. I'm driving, driving, and driving, and driving. And as he's doing that, Scott Steiner just runs up the road, <laughs> picks up the car, and throws it off a bridge. I figure Scott gets chased away. It's like one of the vehicles from like like Mad Max or something. <laughs> right, John, John, <laughs> John, you know Mad- what you're doing. Photoshop, John, make this a thing. Mad Scott. <laughs> so. I leave it with you with your creative direction. Uh, whether or not there should be a dragon in it, I leave that up to you. But I think we both know the answer. If you want to put Tina Turner on the vehicle with Scott Steiner as his freak du jour, by all means. We will not stop you. <laughs> we will encourage you. 
<laughs> the numbers don't lie, and that spells trouble for you, Mad Max. So. Oh, I'm your private dancer. I'm dancing for money. Um, Rick <laughs> so Steiner he... and Scott Steiner just batter these lads, don't they? Yeah, they do. Uh, Heenan compares them, compares them being champs to the stock market crash of 29, which I don't think he was alive for. I don't think he was either. But it's a nice nice reference. Nice Money, Inc.-esque reference. Rita Riggins' tights are borderline flesh-colored, and it was kind of creepy. I think they're just both a creepy pair of barely washed enhancement lads. He looked like one of those old LJN figures that someone scrubbed the paint off of. <laughs> it's funny because he did. <laughs> and I think it was Scott hits him with a scary looking T-bone suplex at one point. Just because he's out there having fun. Oh, they're just hoying these lads around. Rick Steiner at one point does this sort of chest breaker where he picks him up and just charges him chest first into the corner. Are you going to kill like a man doing that? It was like an inverted Oklahoma stampede without the power slam part. He just ran right down. Like he was, he was almost like he's doing like the uh, Bobby Lashley Dominator. And he just runs right at the buckle, slams his abdomen right into the top top thermical pad and his legs just go flying over like two out of control cables and then that frankensteiner and... from scott steiner oh my goodness oh my oh. he killed the man well okay reno screwed this up and with all, the, with all the respect to reno riggins who's a better wrestler than i am everyone who's on the show is a better wrestler than me with maybe one exception i don't know who that would be but anyway scott 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 goes through the motion of doing the flip over. Reno doesn't go with him. Reno cuts the flip late, painfully late, and lands right on Scott. But he's but he sold it anyway. And of course, we have no replay after the match because you're not going to show that a second time. But that was it. Scott wins with the Frankensteiner. Well, the Steiner would be the Scotch Frankensteiner. Just a squash to establish that they are the new champions. And onward they go as Ted DiBiase. His final, his final reign with a bell has come to an end in this company anyway. And he's in the last two months of his wrestling career with WA. He would be heading towards Japan by the end of this year, wouldn't he? He would. Him and Stan Hansen were from a tag team and took part in, a, in a, over in All Japan. But it was cut short due to a neck injury, which would be the end of his in-ring career. So we've got him for a little bit longer yet. Him and Hogan are just here for just a little bit longer. We don't see a whole lot of them, but they're here for a little bit longer. Them, Beefcake, Duggan, Santana. It is the end of an era. And it is, it is quite the era to see the end of. It was the era that made me a fan, so of course I'm going to miss it. It was indeed. Well, it was. I mean, it was. it was an era that brought me in. You know, mm -hmm. I liked Duggan when I was a kid, like Hogan, like Beefcake when I was a kid. And it, but this feels like it's an era that has overlapped. It's gone on a bit too long. It is a bit weird to see all these guys still here in '93. It feels like a, kind of anachronistic. Yeah, it's just a bit of a hodgepodge. It's a bit of a hodgepodge of like new guys. Oh, and here's Tito Santana, and there's Duggan, oh, and there's Brutus Beefcake. It's just a weird blend. It is. It's like that one year of SNL when David Spade was still on, and in the year like Will Ferrell and Hammond had come in. It was, 
it was like someone was just a veteran at the tail end of his career that uh, is still on the team for a little while longer. It, it, it does seem a little odd. But it's our job now to look to the future and two lads in a match next who very much were considered the future of, of WWF at this point. Marty Jannetty and Dwayne the Clown in a two out of three falls match. Now, I'm going to go on record right now. We're more than 20 episodes into the show. We've watched every episode of Raw to this point. We've seen the Mr. Perfect versus Ric Flair loser leaves match. We've seen the Sean and Marty title change from May. We've seen the Perfect versus Doink Cantering qualifying match. All excellent matches. I'll even throw in Bret Hart versus Fatu from back in March, which is a great match. This, in my opinion, is the best match on Raw to this point. That is exactly what I've said. I've said exactly that. This is by far and away the best match on Monday Night Raw since we started chronicling it. This is something special. This is a. Uh, I remember this match. When I bought the Raw DVD set in 2010, like the first two seasons of Raw 93 and 94, which, it would, which had select matches on it. Like, I remember this this match happening, but I didn't, like, appreciate it when I was nine years old. When I watched it, I was like, holy crap, this is a great match. And rewatching it this past weekend, I, it might, it's even better than I remembered it from that last time. This is an excellent, excellent match. And it just tells a great story, doesn't it? From the very beginning to the very end, it tells a really good story. It was it was so compelling and it was so competitive, and there's a lot of creativity therein. And yet, it felt like an actual competitive wrestling match all the way through. The first fall, especially, because the first fall was very much them feeling each other out. Uh, it was uh, a bit where. Doink was sizing at Marty, and Marty just wasn't backing down from him. They do the crisscross over the ropes, and at one point, Marty stops running the crisscross, and Doink's running on his own. Just a brief slapstick moment, but didn't feel like a slapstick moment. It felt more like Marty going, look, you're trying to make a fool of me. I just made a fool of you. And the crowd popped yeah. for it. Yeah, that it was so simple because, you know, here, here's Doink pulling all these pranks on all these other wrestlers. Because Marty doing something very basic, just you know, embarrass him a little bit, and you saw how frazzled Doink got as a result of that. It, it, it's just good, good storytelling without having to say a word. I should point out that that Doink, uh, he came out on a unicycle to start, which was which is great because I don't know Matt Bourne could ride one. Yeah, that was and cool. I'd like to think that Matt Bourne learned how to ride a unicycle for the purpose of the character. I would think so also, but I could be wrong. And Savage gives us this wonderful line, which is, I gotta give credit where it's due. This guy is a bona fide clown. <laughs> what? Savage just say a couple of odd things throughout this night. And it starts with that, really. Yes, this one night, he says the odd stuff. He, he's usually very lucid and articulate. Yeah, normally, he's, he is very, he's, he's very logical <laughs> and uh, practical. Just tonight, he just says things like, Oh, give him the benefit of the doubt. Marty's fighting against all the odds. It's like, no, he's not. He's, it's, it's been a pretty clean match so far. I mean, he's, I got to give credit where it's due. He's a bona fide clown. It's like, nobody was doubting that, Mar that Doink is, in fact, a clown. I mean, the grease paint, the wig, the Technicolor clothing scheme, the pranks, it's, it's pretty clear what he is. It's, there's nothing ambiguous about it. <laughs> I'll give him credit. He's, he looks the part of a clown. 
even though I've seen him for the last eight months or so, I've finally come to the conclusion that I can roll that he is, in fact, a clown. Thank Thanks you, Savage. <laughs> <laughs> that was the approval we needed. So, do you want to go... Do you do you have blow by blow for this match? Or, if not, I've just kind of got a few of the, the pointers throughout it. Uh, I can go blow by blow if you want to jump in with... Yeah, I'll just... I'll hop in. I'll hop in as and when, sir. Because I have a lot of notes for this match. Because this yeah, was a very go. long match. You go for it. Uh, according to Raw Review, you heard that uh, this match went 20 minutes and 38 seconds. Which is an eternity in this time period for Raw. Well, that's like... um. That's that's like a third of the show. Yes, it is. And that's, I mean, there are commercial breaks therein, but that, it is one third of the show. Wasn't Savage there an episode does... of NXT in the in in the last few years where they had one match for the whole night? Was it like a long match or? I'm wondering. Yeah, it was. There was one show. Oh, I might be thinking of Lucha Underground. Where they had oh, Willie Mack uh, versus uh, John Hennigan, Morrison, Johnny Impact, whatever he's right. called, Johnny Mundo. Johnny Mundo, there he is. And they had yes, an all-night-long match where it was the most pinfalls uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the show. Ah, yes, and they also did something like that with um, the Aztec Warfare matches, which which is their version of the Royal Rumble Yes, for the entire duration of the show. Mm-hmm. Savage at one point says, DTA, don't trust them anyway. That's DT. That's DTA. Well done, Savage. Savage was Stone Cold before Stone Cold. Got a t-shirt franchise written all over it. That is. <laughs> Savage three sixteen says snap into it. <laughs> so, Marty gets this one complex step over hip toss where he does like almost like a pump handle, Mahistral escape of a hold then rolls over, doinks back, and hip-tosses him as he's coming out of it, which is fantastic. And, and, and I, I gotta say, Vince, during the course of this match, could not hide his disdain for Doink. Like, he could not wait to see him lose. And Marty gets a near fall off of a backslide, and he got so excited because he thought Doink was going to win the first fall. Oh, man. Yeah, Vince was especially anti-Doink during this match. Over the next couple of years, you're going to hear Vince get more and more unhinged as he gets more and more sucked into cheering for the baby faces and openly rooting for them. <laughs> the one, the one, two, yes, yes, he got him. Oh, no, he did. That whole deal. I love that. Yes, he got him. He's won. Oh, wait, no, no, he hasn't. <laughs> it was so bad you had to love it. That was, it's it's at this time, that I mean, that trope hasn't truly come out yet but the what a maneuver i'm sure he's been saying it for a long time but i feel Mm -hmm. like on this show like it stood out to me that vince for pretty much every move went what a maneuver vince gradually turned from calm and intelligent howard cosell like announcer to this over-the-top video game announcer who just yells stuff and plugs things he he's basically the animated version of what cole is today very true. That's ve- that's very very true. So the first fall comes comes when and Marty crotches himself doing something akin to a very high bronco buster and missing. Falls back he, with his impromptu vasectomy. Doink goes up top. Whoopee cushion. One two three. And then Vince says, "We've got two more falls coming at you." Yeah, Vince spoiler. played spoiler here. 
Vince, mate. Ruined it. Is Vince like Jimmy the Greek and he had like $1,500 on Marty to win the second fall? And, and, he, and he's trying to use a power of positivity to make sure that it happened. We got two more spoilers. We got two more pinfalls. We'll be back. Like, Vince, what are you doing? No, we might not. This is why. I mean, when I do bits of commentary for wrestling shows in, around the UK, and I always try where I can to not know the results of the matches. I make a conscious right. decision not to. Like, if I if I know something's going to... Like, there's story bits I need to know, then I need to know it. But then I'm so scared that I might actually spoil something mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'd rather not know. Yeah, because in the moment you do forget sometimes, it's like, um, a disregard. Exactly, <laughs> and I'm too scared. So I just go, don't tell me if I don't need to know. If I need you to know, because Dan- a thing is going to happen, then tell me. But if I don't need to know, then don't tell me. You know damn well that if Michael Cole said that today, we got two more falls coming up. There'd be like a pronounced pause, and, and then he, like a whip dog, would go, or maybe just one if Doink wins two straight, because someone will have screamed him over the headset. Or just during the break, you'll just hear you, the mic might still be live, and you'll just hear, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> okay. Yes, sir. I like my job. Of course, I like working here. Of course, I like my job. Yes, sir. So we come back from break, and Doink is now mock crying while smacking Jannetty around because he's psychotic. I, I can't get enough of how great Matt Bourne was in this role. He's this was... so good. Like, I forgot how good he was until me and you started watching these episodes of Raw. And I do genuinely think if the world had been slightly different, this is a guy you could put in a title feud. And it wouldn't be out of place because the guy can work. It's not a coincidence that he's been in the ring with, with perfect and Jannetty and the matches have been sensational. Like it's not a coincidence. I do believe doing uh, Matt Bourne is a solid wrestler who completely grasped his character. All the indie guys since then who have ripped off Heath Ledger's Joker. If you've given some of those qualities to this version of Matt Bourne's doing, couldn't you see him feuding with like Johnny Gargano or, or Alistair Black oh my in NXT God. for the title. Could you? Um, oh, jeez! In in NXT, an evil like a 2018 evil clown gimmick in NXT, I think would be brilliant. If it was, if if we have somebody who gives it the love and attention and devotion that Matt Bourne gave Doink the Clown, Champa. Chomper don't need it. Chomper's just an absolute hero. Like Chomper don't need it, but somebody else could be defined by it, and actually it could launch them. But Chomper don't need it. Well, I don't care who plays it. It's still, it's got to be a million times better than Bane Ambrose on Raw, oh. or, I'm, or as I've since called him, the Bane Vader. That's that's <laughs> unfortunate. I mean. It's one of those situations. Dean Ambrose coming out as Bane in the big coat. I could see what they were trying to do, but instead of going left, they went right. Yeah, and it's, uh, I mean, it's half Bane, half Howard Hughes, hence the Bane Vator. Yeah, I like I liked that. Uh, uh, this city's so disgusting. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't talk to Renee in my personal life. Uh, uh, shut up. It's... 
it's it's something like that might might be cool and it comes back to nxt again feels written by nxt writers and and developed in that way i feel like this is them going oh this would be good they they do this is how they do it on nxt and then the raw writers who are a bit more hollywood and obviously have a vince mcmahon shaped like shadow over their work that's the result crashing this box express with no survivors he had to take the mask off because he couldn't understand him. It killed the whole thing. Uh, I saw what they were trying to do with that. I appreciated it. It was just, it was right instead of left. Yeah. So back to Doink, who is brilliant. Yes. He does an axe ball off the top rope to the floor. And Savage makes sure to let us know, he stole my move. And that plants a seed. Indeed, it does. Mm-hmm. It's at this point in the match I had to I had to address this that Vince talks about the body slam challenge, and notes that NFL All Pro Bill Freilich is going to take part in it, and that's it's quite a coincidence because Bill Freilich actually passed away on Friday morning at the age of 56 after a long battle with cancer. Freilich was also part of the WrestleMania 2 Battle Royal. He was one of the he was the one who confronted Big John Stud earlier in the show and called him Stud the Dud. And it's unfortunate to see him go. Oh, so that so 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 he left us like this Friday just gone. Yeah, December fourteenth. Oh, how sad. He was actually a, he was actually a huge proponent for for getting steroids out of sports, and actually talked before uh, the U.S. Senate back in nineteen eighty nine about steroid use in the NFL. He was kind of you know, concerned for his fellow athletes, and he was by all accounts a great man. Well, that's really sad to hear because I was gonna. I have got in my notes to quiz you on this guy because a lot of the times a lot of sort of Americana comes up in this and I just sure. write Justin question mark question mark in my notes next to the name. So <laughs> that's what I've done here. I thought you'll probably have I'd rather me coming on and clumsily trying to explain who he is. You will just probably know. You know, you know that's twice that we've had this eerie coincidence in 2018 because earlier in the year it was Savage bringing up Aretha Franklin around the time that she had died in real life. And now it's Bill Fraley getting a, a little nod on the weekend of his passing. I wonder whether this is going to be a recurring thing where every so often we get little spookiness like that happen. I think it will. I think this is. I think the podcast is cursed, Justin. Well, Jesus Christ, don't jinx it. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to play. Yeah, we are going to play Dead or Alive with everybody who tries to body slam Yoko on the USS Intrepid. As long as we play the Bon Jovi song, I'm okay with this. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we go back to the match now. Marty hits this wonderful super kick. Marty Janetti is the gosh darn king of the super kick. But last week he did two on Doink, and they were both beautiful. If if he slapped his thigh, he did it so fast that I missed it. And it I just mean, he... resonated around the arena. Oh, it was perfect. Great, great smacking sound, and he goes right to the top rope, flies off with the flying fish drop, and that's it. Second fall. At this point, I've noticed that this is like the most face paint the Doink has ever lost. If you didn't know his map one before, you know it now. And the third fall comes up now, so with the face paint coming off, it's one apiece. And what I love is this becomes an entirely different match. You see a little bit more desperation now out of Doink and a little bit more strategy because... 
see Marty beat him by using both a super kick and a flying fish drop. One move involves the leg for striking, the other involves the legs for jumping. So what does Doink do? Starts working on Marty's legs, though he can't do those things. It's so it's, it's good! So simple. It's so good! He, he posts Marty around the around the actual ring post, smashes the, smash the knees against the metal, puts him in the figure four back inside the ring. <laughs> it's so simple, and yet it works. It makes sense within the context of the match. So, so he has he he has Marty in the figure four for like ninety seconds. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to two dollars a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And Marty's just flailing away, pounding the mat, tapping out before that was a thing. Yeah, that was, that was it. Really when he was sort of banging and tapping on the ground, I thought in this, that, that'd be a tap out in this day and age. Like you tease yeah, he, that happening now, but back then, obviously, tap outs weren't a thing. Yes, yes. Ken Shermock changed all that. Mm-hmm. Marty finally turns the hold, and Doink, showing more strength than I thought he had, drags him all the way to the bottom rope from the turnover in order to break the hold. Amazing, absolutely amazing strength by Doink. Yeah. Marty gets a back body drop, but crumples to the mat immediately, selling his knee. Because Doink has now wrecked it. And then Doink turns into Samoa Joe by putting Marty into a half crab and then transitioning into an STF out of it. He, he's the Barnum and Bailey submission machine. Or as Macho calls it, some kind of submission. <laughs> this could be a... a submission hold, could it? <laughs> well, if, if Savage had said what a maneuver Vince would have killed him the way Mo killed the original Alfalfa. <laughs> That's my you line. My you stole my bet. The crowd is nuclear for all of this. They're soundly behind Marty Jannetty. They want him to beat this Harlequin into the canvas. And it's at this point that a second Doink hits the ring, a.k.a. Kieran Doink, or Kern Doink, climbs underneath, 
And then Vince's uh, well, Marty, Marty missed when Doink, uh, this Doink came out, and the crowd's telling him, "There's someone under the ring." Oh under the god, ring. that whole bit, that whole bit was amazing because we saw Skinner Doink go yes. under the ring, and then I'm watching the match, waiting for the spot where Doink falls out the ring. I'm like going, mm -hmm. it's going to happen. And then it does. And the moment it happens, the crowd comes to life. You watch Doink go under the ring. And then you can see an entire front row of completely invested wrestling mm -hmm. fans pointing at the apron going, there's another Doink under there. I've, I just, you just don't see that level of just of, 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 of disbelief, suspension. From a wrestling crowd in 2018. They're all just looking at the ref. They're looking at Janetti and they're pointing and they're pointing. It's, oh my, it, I love that bit. I watched a vi brilliant video this week. It's an old video and it's Mike Quackenbush from Shakara talking about the power of wrestling. And he, and I'm paraphrasing this. He says, you know, um, when you go to, to watch the new Marvel film or when you pick up the new Harry Potter book, you check your suspension at the door. Uh, and then he, he compares it to wrestling and he says, however, a Marvel film isn't going to high five you back and a Harry Potter novel isn't going to respond to your cheers. And that is the, that is why wrestling is is such an un misunderstood, incredible medium. And I was immediately reminded of that whole conversation where this incredible match is playing out, and there's the crowd, the first four or five rows of the crowd, just pointing, directing the action to the point where Marty rolls out of the ring and is interacting with them. And that leads into another bit in the match. But I just really wanted to emphasize just oh, how yes. good that was to see. I'm it gets more... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's funny. I mean, it's a great point, and and it actually invests them more when, when Marty acknowledges that they're part of the show by pointing out where the second Doink is now has now taken refuge under the ring. And I did laugh because Vince said he's listening to the fans as though it were a novel concept. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so Marty's taking. So Marty's now searching for a fabulous Doink. And he looks up, and then a Lumberjack Doink gives him a baseball slide right to the face. Nice touch. So Doink goes on back under the ring, tries to trick Marty, but he gets ends up getting kicked because uh, he, he sneaks up from behind, but Marty's, but Marty's too wise for that. And then, and then comes the double knockout spot where Born Doink falls to the floor again, but this thing gets pulled under the ring as though, he, as though Cthulhu's under there. And that's when Skinner Doink emerges. Climbs into the ring, tries to cover the unconscious Janetti, and we get the the most crack-headed Vince response to anything you'll ever hear. He covers the unconscious Janetti. One, two, Vince is going, no, no. Marty gets the shoulder barely up and goes, oh, yes, 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 yes. Like, I mean, if I were Heenan or Savage, I would have punched him out of instinct. <laughs> like, like I'm, I'm sitting right here. Don't do that. I have to hand it to Savage, and I know we get on Savage a lot for basically being the the friendly neighborhood gibberish talker of the commentary team. But he really added this bit because as we we see the shenanigans by the ring, and we see Skinner Doink coming out, and there's Savage going, check the paint, check the paint, because 
when this has happened before, the old twin magic doink switcheroo, the one doink's got fresh paint on. And then Skinner comes up with hardly any face paint on, to the point where me, as a fan watching this on the network, is going, oh, maybe they haven't switched. Maybe they haven't switched. I was like, no, that's part of it. Like, he's wearing less. Because Doink has learned from his past mistake that it's too obvious if the one dink's completely made up. So he makes it so he makes Skinner Doink less made up so it matches the untrained eye. Like that's great. I must have missed that because it, to me it seemed like Skinner had the had the full scheme on. No, he didn't. He didn't. He had he had some, but but nowhere near a full face. To the point where okay, I wasn't okay. convinced that they'd swapped. Okay. I thought the switcheroo had been, it was a bluff switcheroo. Cause I'm, I'm watching all these episodes of raw with you for the first time. Uh, so I'm, I thought it was, a, it was a bluff switcheroo and there was a real switcheroo coming. And then it, as you know, as the match goes on, the match goes on from there, but that was Savage go and check the paint, check the paint. And you would have just thought, Oh, it's the same doink as before. Very clever. Very clever. Matt Bourne doesn't do the same thing twice. That's what's great about him. Mm-hmm. So we so the match continues. Bobby Heeman notes that this Doink has on black shoes. That's it. I think it tells us there's only one Doink, apparently. Bobby Heeman's attempt at misdirection. Brilliant. So Kieran pulls up Janetti, pile driver, he gets the pin off of it. But then Savage has had enough of these shenanigans. As Doink is celebrating, Savage pulls off his headset. He confers with Hebner. He axe handles Kieran from behind, knocking him to the floor. Jumps outside, pulls out Born Blink from under the ring. Hebner sees this ruse and he realizes what has happened. Calls for the DQ and reverses the decision. But what I liked here was so Savage hoys Matt Born Doink into the ring. So now there's two Doinks in the ring, and Skinner, one of the Doinks. I believe it's Skinner Doink who's the less injured. Makes makes an awful attempt to hide it by sort of <laughs> lying on top of the other Doink. It just it was like a last ditch attempt to hide this from from being seen, which I thought was brilliant. He just kind of lies on him just to go, and then kind of looks up at Hebner whilst lying on top of the other Doink. <laughs> oh. In a desperate moment, you do what you do, whatever you have to. That's do. it, and that's why I loved it. It was like a last. It was like a, everyone's seen it, but he's still going. No, it's just me. For those of you out there who just listen to these shows and listen to us banter on about Raw, and don't actually watch these episodes of Raw, I am imploring you, and I'm sure Tom will do the same. Yeah, you have to watch this match from start to finish. You must, this honest, is... honest to goodness. There is, there's, there, what I love is that every so often in wrestling, because there's, there's so much wrestling, and there's so much about wrestling that's wrong. But I always, I always relate, and I don't know whether you're the same, Justin. I always relate being a wrestling fan to being a, a sports team fan. So you're mm-hmm. obviously your, your American football team of choice. They don't Eagles. All, the Eagles. <laughs> The yes. the Eagles, they have great mat, they have great days, they have bad days, and you can mm-hmm. you can watch an Eagles game where they can get absolutely lambasted and battered. There's no heart in them, there's no soul in them, and you go sure. home and you're furious and you're angry. But you'll be back there next week, and you'll do of it course. all again. 
Mm-hmm. My dad, I'm not a football fan, but my dad and my younger brother, they are fans of West Bromwich Albion, which is a, a, a very, very long standing football team. I think they're over 100 years old as a football team. And they they have had, they've had absolute stinkers of seasons in the past. There was one particular occasion where they were relegated twice in in in, a, in two years. So each year they performed, they were relegated to a lower league. They just had an absolute nightmare of a time. But all the way through, when you're watching these matches, you when you watch them in action and they have bad times, you stick through because every so often there's a little lights at the end of the tunnel. And wrestling is like that. For all these uh, these episodes of Monday Night Raw in 2018 that are three hours of the same toss every single week, every so often you get you get Becky Lynch versus Charlotte versus Asuka. Mm-hmm. You get you get a, you get Gargano and Champa. You get right. to go back to 1993 and watch Doink and Janetti. Like there's these little moments where you go, "That's why I'm a fan. I can forgive everything else because this is why I'm a fan, and everything's gonna be fine now." And then then they have another Ziggler and Seth Rollins match, and you get concerned. <laughs> it's uh just a just to sort of trail that point there. It's when I complain about a roll these days that's three hours long, it's just a slog of endless heat getting and the same matches you've seen over and over again and you know they're not gonna have any sort of enjoyable resolution to them whatsoever. It's like I I point to this match and say, This is why I say the old days were better. Now, <laughs> now now granted, I'm ignoring all the bad stuff that you and I have covered over the past six months and I'm I'm doing so with these wonderfully rose-colored glasses, but it's like this. This is what was great about those days. And younger fans may not have seen a match like this before because Matt Bourne was certainly a unique performer that you don't see enough of these days, that kind of performer. And Marty, Marty was always great no matter what, no matter what state he was in. And they had this match, and it was beautiful. Do seek it out. Do go find it. And this, this this match does lead to, as you said earlier on, Savage and Doink having a match on a house show a few days Not later. That. Not just that, but they will have a Raw match later in the year. Excellent. Because I was concerned as to why Savage got involved at the very end. I think for a man who constantly complained about how Hulk Hogan would steal the spotlight from him, I was concerned he was taking something away from Janetti. He was, he was helping him win. And he did. And and that worked out okay. And then if it leads to Savage and Doink, I'm very intrigued by that feud. So we get this post-match angle where Vince and Savage grill Heenan over the second Doink, which I don't think ever really went anywhere. I don't know if Heenan and Doink are supposed to be in cahoots or not. But... Well, that was, yeah, because as soon as that happened, Heenan went over to the, the two Doinks and was talking to them. And then he comes back, and they're like, what, did, what were you over there doing? And he was like, well, I was just getting the scoop. I can't believe it. There's actually two dogs. It's like, <laughs> mate. It gets to the point where, like, where Vince is ready to like, hold him so Savage can hit him. They're like getting that in, like, intensely angry with him. It was kind of a... Uh... I'm pretty sure it was dropped after that. The, the Hina and Doink's involvement together was kind of never really acknowledged again. Kind of a one-off. So we come back to a less fun match, which it's a squash match, so it is whatever. It's Mr. Hughes versus our old friend Bobby Who. Bobby Who, glorious. 
I will give in. I will give in. Bobby who? Excellent, Bobby who? Uh, Bobby Kurt, this is who. Hughes coming out with the urn. Yes, and Howard Finkel introduces him as being from Kansas City, Missouri, instead of Missouri, which makes me very happy. He's an old-timer consarnet. Is that is is it called Missouri? It's Missouri. So ah. Missouri is like well, Missouri is what you would say if you're like an old 1890s prospector. <laughs> okay. Went down to Missouri earlier. So, so yes, Hughes has possession of Undertaker's urn, as we've established. And as he's as he's handing it off to Whippleman or whatever, he says to the ringside cameraman, "Undertaker, you want this? You come and get it." And then Randy Savage says. It's got to be talking to the Undertaker. <laughs> oh, good! Savage is back. Savage is back with us. <laughs> Savage had a, had about ten minutes of of of, of sensible behaviour. He's back. It's fine. <laughs> you give me old bonk in the head with the wrench. He's back to normal now. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, who is the dumbest jobber ever? Because he falls for the handshake deal. I mean, here's a big three hundred forty pound guy with sunglasses, the meanest grimace you've ever seen. He's built like a defensive lineman. He's offering you a handshake before the match. I'm sure he's sincere. Gets closed. <laughs> Who gets clothesline almost out of his boots? And then Hughes follows up with a beautiful goddamn drop kick for a man his size. It was stunning. Surprisingly so. I'm going to maintain that Mr. Hughes was years ahead of his time. He, he might be Keith Lee's father. I'm not sure. Oh, I'm excited to see Keith Lee get going in NXT. What I love is that we've barely scratched the surface with him and what he can actually do. And Here is. And when, and when he comes off the top rope for the first time, everybody's going to go, what is going on? Here is Mr. Lee. <laughs> Keith Lee, dressed as IRS, would be fine. <laughs> with With big-ass sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah, so this was just to showcase Mr. Hughes. He did a couple of power moves that I think looked a bit clumsy. He did throw him at one point on a body slam, and I mean, he sent him flying. That was good. The body slam was very good. I'm not sure how much who cooperated there, because Hughes, Hughes is a naturally powerful man. There's not much to cooperate with. You're just flying through the air. There's not much you can do when you're mid-flight. <laughs> exactly. That's all, all the Hughes and his raw power, and... Hughes is what the kid, as the kid would say, is quite swole. Swole, that's a very 2018 term there, just <laughs> as the kids would say. It's very elite and of it... you. <laughs> so elite's very 2001. I'm very rad, thank you. Ah, oh, nice one. Cowabunga. <laughs> at this point in the <laughs> It's at this point in the match that Vince he gets in one of his classic USA Network plugs, and we've heard Vince promote some very unusual movies like the erotic thriller types, and he's going in the opposite direction here. He's plugging all three Porky's movies. I must admit, uh, I watched this episode of Monday Night Raw uh, the morning before we recorded and uh -huh. it was very early in the morning because my good lady left for work very early. So it was about about quarter seven UK time, AM, that I watched it. And I remember nodding off a bit during Mr. Hughes's match. I remember falling a bit asleep. And I just, and I remember being woken up by a bit of silence and then Vince going, Porkies! Like, what? Okay. 
He's insulting Mr. Hughes. Okay. <laughs> but Vince discussing Porky's woke me up again. Now, you don't have USA Network over there. You just have whatever net station rolls on. Is, is that like Sky or whatever? It's Sky yeah, Sports no. Action, okay. I believe it's called now. Sky I have Sports no idea Action, why. Okay. So you're blissfully unaware of the horse feces that USA Network is today. You know nothing of Crizzly Knows Best. I, you know I don't, of... but I wish I did. No, you don't. No, you no, the hell you don't. <laughs> We're quite blessed in the UK in the sense that, with the greatest of respects, like our our standard television service is quite straightforward. I find navigating TV channels in America to be a frustrating, unsatisfying experience because everybody plays mainly the same things at, at random times. I was in America and they had Alien Resurrection on at eight o'clock in the morning on a Wednesday. What's wrong with that? I was just like, why don't, there's no rhyme or reason to this. It's just whatever they want to put on. It's just whatever. It's just whatever. And I remember the first time we went to America and I found out that every time Friends or, Fr- or Fr- every time Frasier goes to a new title card, there's been a commercial break. Okay. Because over here, like the commercial breaks are like 15 minute intervals. So you'll have 15 minutes of a show, then one break, then 15 minutes of the other. But whereas, so when I watch Frasier in America... Every time it faded out, there were adverts. And that threw me. And then obviously okay. it does that thing where the last scene plays out, you have an ad break, and then you come back for the credits. Okay, okay. now that we've segued on the Frasier, you have, you have to answer this question for me because I don't know if we'll ever, ever have this point discussed again. Excellent. If Matthew dyed his hair blonde, wouldn't he look just like David Hyde Pierce? <laughs> oh, I really fancy Daphne. Uh, <laughs> uh, right, John. John. John, wake up. Uh, Matthew from Botchamania, I can supply your picture. Make him blonde, put him in Frasier. That was the reason why you never see Maris, because she's a bitch. <laughs> oh, I don't like Maris, she's too thin. <laughs> <laughs> so what we need what we need is a picture of Undertaker and his current Kelsey Grammarsh look and we need to get Matthew to dye his hair and take a picture with him at, at fan access or whatever and we, and we can just caption it Frasier yes <laughs> baby I hear the blues are calling to salad and scrambled eggs don't even like salad <laughs> so yes, yes, back to this one. Yeah, you are right back to this Back to this compelling Mr. Hughes match. Oh, yeah, sorry. He, he, he wins with the pump spike slam, and that's pretty much it. It's he just, wins with a sloppy-ass move. Like, it's just, I often sometimes will, will watch a match and try and forget that the guy doing the move is there and just watch the guy taking the move. And it was just like somebody had... It was just like Bobby who had levitated off the ground very briefly and then collapsed on his back. It's like a pop-up spike slam, basically. It was a bit. It was a bit rubbish. Yeah, it was. It was what it was. It was what it was. It's Mr. Hughes. Uh, unfortunately, uh, uh, we've just spent twenty-five minutes watching Doink and Marty Janetti, so our standards have suddenly very high. Yes, yeah, so we needed a cooler. 
although the bitch and drop kick does pull it out of any sort of negative territory. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So we so we got Vince plugging the Stars and Stripes challenge involving Yokozuna, and I believe you have a little Facebook inquiry that you made. We certainly do. So we find out that on the 4th of July, in fact, on the next episode of All American Wrestling, we are going to have coverage of the Yokozuna Body Slam Challenge that took place on the USS Intrepid, uh, where stars of sport from across America are invited to attempt to body slam Yokozuna. So I asked the question on the official Cultaholic Fans Facebook page, can you think of a more iconic American landmark? They should have held the Body Slam Challenge. So say the USS Intrepid is, I don't know, off being intrepid somewhere for the day. So it's not around. Where should we hold the Body Slam Challenge? You have been brilliant. The sillier the answer, the better. Damien Stone offers us Thomas Jefferson's left nostril on Mount Rushmore. They've been like Good a answer. big, big Samoan booger hanging out of his nose. <laughs> Uh, Japanese, Chris... Japanese. Oh, sorry, Japanese. K-fabe. I forgot. K-fabe. Chris K-fabe Lappin suggests the middle of Carhenge in Nebraska. Have you ever seen Carhenge? I, I, he's posted a picture underneath it, and it looks incredible. Stonehenge with cars. <laughs> that's that's uh, Chris Pinion suggests the edge of the Grand Canyon, which could have ended very badly. <laughs> Certainly. Uh, Robert Fletcher suggests they could have held it uh, on Ted Danson's forehead. He has got a big forehead. It's it's pretty mean, though. Are you, are you trying to crush Ted Danson? About... <laughs> what if Ted Get... Danson wants to take part? He, as we know, Sam Malone used to be a baseball player, so technically he's allowed. Well, I mean, it, it would have prevented us from seeing that awful show on NBC with him and Kristen Bell, so maybe it would have been for the best. Matthew Gregg. Oh, no. Um... <laughs> Matthew from Botchamania and Cultaholic. Love you, Matthew. Uh, by the time this is... Actually, as this is going out, as if you've just downloaded the moment it has appeared, me and Matthew are together. Not not in the biblical sense, but we are working okay. together on a thing uh, on Wednesday night. So <laughs> think of us together, not in the biblical sense. Uh, Matthew says, the parking lot of the Heart Attack Grill. That's definitely American. Just... I like the idea of, of Yoko coming out to the parking lot, having been in there, like sucking barbecue sauce off his fingers. <laughs> Just don't call him Niles when you see him, that's all. <laughs> I'm, I, might, I might drop in some, uh, some Frasier references to the next North Wrestling commentary that we record. For, own, for literally just your amusement. <laughs> now, I got to take umbrage here with Alex Squires, who says the Washington Memorial. All right, first of all, it's either the Lincoln Memorial or the Washington Monument. Oh. They're two different things. Let's see, what country is this guy from? Is he? Is, if he's American, he should be ashamed of himself. He's from Nottingham. It's all right. He's from the East Midlands. Uh, okay, you're forgiven because you, you're allowed to be ignorant. It's fine. It's like the West Midlands, but with a, a bit of a chip on its shoulder. Um, okay. <laughs> sorry, mate. No as, problem, a, as, as somebody as, as a kind of brummy cum Worcester folk, uh, West Midlands versus East Midlands is a is a favourite rivalry of mine. Um, Mikael Olsen on the back of the bold headed eagle humping a nuclear warhead. <laughs> That's I mean, most certainly that is the most creative. Also of that, but on a pole held up by Judy Bagwell singing "Stars and Stripes Forever," bro. <laughs> well, 
Um, I'm sure Buffalo is part of Stars and Stripes with the Patriot, although I think of more as an American male. American males. American uh, males. American male. John Eilley. John our boy. John! The bedroom where Hulk Hogan did his sex tape. <laughs> You know, I had I had I had the idea years ago that Hulk Hogan should should, should do porno movies, but have all the girls dressed like as, as his old opponents. To have one dressed as Roddy Piper, one as the Iron Sheik. Oh God! I'm just thinking of a woman dressed as King Kong Bundy. <laughs> like you wouldn't watch it, John. <laughs> no, no. Okay, well, be tasteful. Tasteful. Oh. Yeah, make it tasteful. Like, like, put a candle in the background. Uh, <laughs> Tyler Wood, Tyler Woodwood, uh, Madison Square Garden. Sorry, mate, that's not a funny answer. Moving on. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. He put MSG. He meant in, in, he meant monosodium uh, glute, whatever that, that thing is. Or <laughs> monosodium glutamate. Yeah, that thing. He meant he meant that, like, which is um, a reason why Americans uh have dietary issues, so that's, that's definitely <laughs> okay. American. Okay, so so body slam onto the, the concept of obesity. Okay, yes. that's that's doable. It's a commentary. Uh, Jeff Reed says the president's office. I mean, can't be any worse than some of the things happening in the president's office at the moment. Hashtag well, politics. Yes. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the resolute desk? Jack McMorrow suggests the resolute desk. I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. Oh, I was hoping it'd be an American thing and you'd know. Sorry, Jack. Uh, Morgan Hyde, the White House lawn. Yep, as long as Donald Trump is out there shouting at a child, that'd be fine. It's my favorite picture from all of the presidency. Um, Mark Perry puts off the Statue of Liberty. That'd be quite good. Nice big splash at the bottom. I like that. I like that. Shame. And the Shane McMahon follows him with a diving elbow. Uh, Chris Elliott, Hulk Hogan's Pastamania restaurant. Yes! I, I'm i sad that that's not a thing anymore. I wanted to try a Hulk U. <laughs> Hulk U too, buddy. <laughs> um, Carl Dave Ingle uh, offers us a couple of, of beautiful non-American locations, including Greg's in Portsmouth Town Centre. Um, mate, do it in Newcastle. There is a Greg's literally on every corner. Is, uh, is there a Matthew Greg on every corner? Oh, one could only dream. Um, yes. It's you don't. You, one day, I'm hoping that the concept of Greg's will head over to America, because Greg's over here is 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 a national institution as a as a bakery chain, um, where they do packs of sausage rolls for like a quid, and they do lots of like like pastries and bakes and cakes and things like that. And in Newcastle. There is the highest density of Greggs per square mile than anywhere else. I do believe in Newcastle there are 17 branches of Greggs. It's like you Wawa's here you, in South you, Jersey. It's what, sorry? It's like Wawa's here in South Jersey. Oh, okay. Is it, is, it, is it the same as Greggs in the sense that you can walk from one... You can, you can walk away from one Greggs, you can go down the road and turn right, and you're next to another one. Yes. Yes, it most certainly is. There is one what? street where there is there is literally Greg's on the opposite sides of the road. I totally believe that. Why was it the same thing? Why was it like herpes sores with fresh coffee? Ooh, I'm not familiar with the Wawa's. 
Oz are amazing. Oh, I know what I was going to update you on. I think we talked about this recently. Uh, there's a sign going up in Newcastle for Taco Bell. I know you're very excited about that. Very excited. The sign is going up today. Giddy, mate. I'm giddy. <laughs> I'm absolutely giddy. Are you as giddy for this main event? Oh, do you know what? I think I am. We will leave the mentions there. Thank you very much for those. Uh, you have been brilliant. Uh, official Cultaholic fans, you are absolute superstars as per. As per. Main event o'clock, sir. Indeed it is. It's Razor Ramon versus the one two three kid in the aforementioned $10,000 challenge. Kid has finally accepted the offer. He said it last week while on the phone from Japan. He made sure he made sure it was in cash because even at age twenty, he's a smart veteran wrestler. <laughs> when he was on the phone to Vince, is it in cash? Well, yeah, it's in cash. <laughs> That's his first instinct kicking in. Brilliant. Razor brought with him the money sack because he he robbed the saloon earlier in the day. <laughs> and then, I love that money sack. <laughs> Vince laps the fans chant one, two, three because it's Vince's job to drive Razor Ramon nuts. Yeah, and and they tease that really nicely. They keep building that and building that. But they, they do there is a production snafu and it's a rare one. So they're they're primed on the entranceway, waiting for one, two, three kid to come out. And and he's like, mm-hmm. he's not coming out. He doesn't come out. He's he's waiting. He's waiting. And then suddenly Oh, there he is. He's, he's, he's at ringside. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, the camera is trained on the entranceway, and nobody has emerged from the curtain at all. <laughs> it's just the cameraman totally missed kid running to the ring from out the, out the official entranceway. But there's kid. He's up on the apron now. It's like, how do you miss that? Like, like, how dense do you have to be? Was it a case of he was out there already? Yeah, because... Because the camera guy was panning the crowd. He probably had his back turned as Kid came running out. And he totally missed Kid making his entrance. Yeah, it was a very rare <laughs> snafu of the highest order. <laughs> kind of, I think it killed a little bit of that hype for 123 Kid. A little bit, a little bit, but they got past it quickly enough. I mean, the fans in the arena didn't see it. So nah, it was just it was fine. So the match begins. Kid gets some early near falls. He's trying to put Razor away as fast as he can before Razor can beat his ass. And Vince makes sure to go, ah, oh, Terry, yeah, yeah. Just, it's like, oh, we always have an upset. Ah, and he's super into this. It's it's a high-energy match for right, right from the start. It, it, it's kick. And it's a kid just trying to finish him off as fast as he can. He's looking good early, gets two near fall, but he but he flies right into a fall-away slam. Do you find, did you find that Earl Hebner was very biased? In the first few minutes of this match, those those counts were super quick. Uh, yeah, well, I think it was just it was just to emphasize, you know, the in, the sense of urgency of this match. The kid is trying to score two wins over this guy, and he's going to come so so close to doing so. I mean, he could have slowed down a little bit. Razor turns him inside out on a clothesline. Kid does the flip and goes, ah, forget about it. And then we get this truly frightening moment where Razor tries for a hip toss. Kid blocks it. He does that move where you put the leg on the back of the guy's head and then do the backflip out of it. But as soon as he lands on his feet, Razor grabs him by his throat and hits him with his choke slam that basically puts him right on the back of his neck and almost folds him completely over. And Bobby Heenan, I don't think he was selling him. He goes, oh, I broke his neck. 
Like he, I, I think he legitimately thought that Sean Watton got screwed up there. Vince McMahon was very baffled by this. As all that as that flippiness was going on, you just heard Vince going, "What's what's going on?" <laughs> Literally just going, "What's going on?" It's wrestling, and, Vince. Wrestling is going right on, on. And right at the end of on is right when Kid almost meets his doom. Yeah. <laughs> it was uh it was not a good landing, but thankfully he ended up being okay. He made sure to note that his legs aren't moving, which he was right for a moment. Maybe he had like a temporary stinger. Frazier pulls him up, puts him in, puts him in the submission hold, smacks him around a little bit. He starts dominating the match from here. He gets the back superplexed, which is usually the precursor for the Razor's Edge. Instead, he throws Kid to the outside because this isn't a match, as you know. This is his chance for revenge. And even if he gets DQ'd, he's going to hurt this kid for real. He pulls up the gym mats that are at ringside for everyone's protection, exposing the concrete. Goes for the razor's edge on the cement, but gets backdropped onto the concrete, the fickle hand of irony. And then we get our second horrifying moment of the match as Kid goes to the top rope to try for a dive. I think Razor's supposed to catch him. Problem was, Kid's foot slipped and he splats right on the concrete. Oh, this made me cringe. Oh, it was horrible. Yeah, I mean, he, he only had, like, shoulder and hip first right on right on bare cement. Because I wasn't sure from here on in if this was still part of the match. So it never occurred to me that maybe Razor was just going to catch him and then presumably just slam him onto the concrete. Either that or just throw him back into the ring one or the other. Yeah. Because he just kind of picked him up, hoid him back in the ring, and they and they kind of carried on the match from there. He seemed well, all right, though, considering he just splatted onto the exposed concrete. He seemed all right. Well, I'm sure a lot of that was adrenaline also. Yeah, I think it was adrenaline pumping, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, at that point, it, it, well, I, I have to ask Sean Waltman personally, but I think it... I'm sure it was, it was that nervous energy that was carrying him through, because if I hit the concrete like that, and it was just a... Me being stupid and there was nobody around, I'd be like, I think I'm done for the day. So back into the ring. Uh, we we get the mirroring spot where Razor sends Kid into the corner, misses the charge. Kid goes up top, gets the moonsault. It's, it's a parallel five weeks ago. This time it only gets two. We almost had the three count there. It almost happened twice. So when Razor gets the shoulder up, Kid just rolls over and grabs his money sack and goes to walk off with it. He just starts to leave. I mean, it's his, it's his money anyway. He he did the match, so he's not stealing it. Funny part here is Kid goes to walk away. Earl Hebner reaches out through the ropes and tries to grab him by the hair. Yeah, why does Earl try and grab him to stop him? <laughs> Odd <laughs> behavior, Earl. He's never done to anybody else. He's like, like, all right, I'll just start counting then. Screw it. One, two. No, he just reaches out and tries to get a handful of Sean Waltman's hair. Was he going to drag him back into the ring? What was he going to do when he grabbed him? I don't think Earl, Earl have thought that through. <laughs> no, he didn't. Fraser realizes what's going on, chases Kid through, back through the entrance curtain, down this little flight of stairs, out and outside the building. Kid jumps into a waiting car, which drives off into the night. Who was driving the car? Do we ever find out? Is it another one of those great wrestling mysteries? Like, who lifted the briefcase? Who was running GTV? Who drove the Hummer? Who wrote this show? <laughs> one, of, one of those it, mysteries. It, it was... Um, I was... 
I was intrigued by the finish. I, I never thought it'd go that way. I thought Razor Ramon would win. Um, I never thought that Wonder Three Kid would just grab the money and, and leg it. <laughs> like a like some kind of knacker. Just like, right, s- screw this. I've got the belt. I've got the money. I'm away. He did the smart thing. Uh, yeah, it, it was very heelish. It felt but very it's... heelish. But it's his money anyway. Yeah, he, he, I guess he he didn't have to win to get the money. Yeah. He just had he to was... face Razor again. And he, he could have submitted to a, he could have submitted to a knuckle lock. It would have been his money. That's, that's the first that's the first move of the match. Regardless, it was a great match, and it was another great build uh, on Raw. And like, because this is a story that's been told on Raw. Because we because. We, Raw, as we've learned, is so different at the moment because we're getting little bits of story because they're telling it through like superstars and all American wrestling. This has been a few that's been exclusively built on Raw, and it's been built very nicely. It hasn't, and it all started with just a very simple squash match with the uh, the inexperienced and fairly unknown Cannonball Kid, Kamikaze Kid, whatever he was named, losing the Dunk the Clown in, and was just your typical throwaway squash match. And then getting his ass beat by Mr. Hughes the following week, you're thinking, okay, he's, he's just part of the troop of of prelims now. Then he beats Razor, and every single week there's been something new added to it. Razor upping the ante, he wanted to get him back into the ring. And this whole thing started on May 3rd when he lost to Doink. This is June 21st now. We're talking eight episodes of the show here, and they built basically two, one big match out of three squash matches. And a bunch of challenges. That's pretty amazing. And they built it well, and it was it was a good show. This week was a good show. It was a tremendous show. We end it with they come back from the final break. Razor's back at ringside. Vince is interviewing him, and Vince is mocking him. Like like, like Vince is being a colossal douche here. Oh, Vince is really sticking it in, isn't he? He says he took off. Like on the, hey, he stole your money. Razor, Razor's con. He goes, you know, kid can run, but he can't hide. And then Vince has to twist him like where we're going. But will you catch him, Razor? It's like Jesus. Why was Vince being so mean to Razor Ramon? I, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Vince is just, I think he's bipolar or something. He must be. He must be. <laughs> and next and week's the Night of Champions, apparently. Yes, it is a September pay-per-view, but not in this case. And by Nuggets Champions, we mean that Yokozuna is here for an interview. And Shawn Michaels will defend the Intercontinental title against Kamala. <laughs> that is such such a weak Night of Champions. <laughs> Don't call it Night of Champions. Just call it a night. <laughs> <laughs> Just say, hey, the guys with the belts are here. <laughs> Our Night of Champions. The champ's going to talk, and Shawn Michaels is fighting Kamala. Wow! I'm here. <laughs> Well, standards were different in those days. It's true. It is very true. But it doesn't matter. That's next week. This week, the show was great. Really fun show. I, I definitely enjoyed it. Marty versus Doink is must-see stuff. And, and the Kid Razor match slash angle. Yeah, it was fun to see. It was, it was a lot of fun, except for the part where Kid almost died twice. If you have downtime over Christmas, take some time to watch this episode of Monday Night Raw and you will not regret it. The next time that we speak is going to be after Christmas. The next time that you hear us, 
we're obviously recording a show before Christmas, but you will not hear mm -hmm. it until after Christmas. Yes, Wednesday the afternoon of the 26th, you will hear us with our first post-Christmas show, actually. If you're a UK listener, it is bo that's Boxing Day. So you're going to get a Boxing Day show, you lucky thing. Now, does that involve like Floyd Mayweather and Ricky Hatton? And... The, the, it used to mean that there was boxing matches on. It doesn't mean it's so much anymore. Um, box, it's just... The, that is historically what it means, but Boxing Day tends to now mean in the UK that lots of sales are on at the shops. All <laughs> things are getting... Shops are open. Do go and spend some money. Uh, there might be some movies on the telly that you've not seen before. That's kind of what Boxing Day is. It's... it's Because you, you don't do Boxing Day in America, do you? Now we just have return stuff that you didn't want, Day. That's pretty much what it is. That's kind of Boxing Day over here. Yes. <laughs> and everything now that you spent all that money on, it's now in a sale. Mm. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. So you'll hear from us on Boxing Day. Um, I'd like to wish you a very Merry Christmas. Make the Yuletide fun. Uh, Justin, how are you spending Christmas Day? Uh, with my family as usual. Just... We're very traditional when it comes to Christmas. We exchange gifts and have a nice big holiday meal and it's try to see some friends and family if I can and it's pretty basic. I'm taking a few uh, a little bit of time off in that in that time frame, so it's I'll be resting up a little bit. Excellent. Well I'll be drunk. So mm -hmm. <laughs> Except this time I'll be drunk with my mum and dad. <laughs> and they'll be drunk too. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> However you are spending Christmas. Uh, if, if you're not doing anything special for Christmas, don't worry about it. It's just a day. Rock on. There'll be plenty more to come. Um, if you are having Christmas with family, loved ones, whatever you're doing, however you're doing it, have a wonderful Christmas. We'll speak to you Boxing Day for more of these. Talk boys at WrestleMania. Love you. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. <laughs>